Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name's Dr. Andrew Trasetta, working for Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Peter Bagshaw, GP and CCG Clinical Lead for Mental Health. And we're really pleased to welcome today Sun Sander Jackson from Somerset Foundation Trust. And our topic is working in Somerset healthcare coming from another culture. Sun, please, please, we're very pleased to welcome you. Hello, thank you for inviting me. My name is Sun Sander Jackson. I'm working Somerset Energy Foundation Trust as a multicultural network lead. Nice to meet you. Sun, we'd love to learn about your background. Please tell us. Yes, so I've been in England for 15 years in Somerset. So before, before I came to Somerset, I lived in South Korea. So I'm originally from South Korea. And I qualified there. I practiced there for three years as a staff nurse. And because I don't want to brag myself, but because I was quite bright nurse, I went to the really good nursing university. I wanted to challenge myself. So I thought I want to do something in England as NHS trust. So I came to England to practice as a nurse 15 years ago. So since then, I live in Somerset and I've been practice as a nurse last 12 years before I become a multicultural network lead. I find that incredibly brave. What are the, the pros and cons of being in here been? Um, obviously, um, difficult bit is the family. You know, I have a single mother and I got two sisters and you know, living 15 hours away from them by plane, it's really hard, especially during pandemic. I used to travel at least once a year, which now I couldn't do last two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to visit my mom. But I thought I want to save some more money to enjoy with my family back home. So I should actually have six months more saving money. I will fly. And then pandemic started and it was all difficult times. So I haven't seen them for two and a half years and I know my mom's getting older and then she's by herself so this always feel guiltiness and then sadness living far from my own family it's really hard really hard hardest to be and food I love my food but it's quite hard to get in Somerset especially Korean food and I miss food so every birthday once a year I try to really order as much as I can from London and I you know, celebrate myself from the breakfast to in the evening, just eating all food by myself, close the door. That's my joy of my highlight of my birthday. And best thing is about um, Somerset, we got great landscape, beautiful people. Um, although it's not very diverse community, people are so nice. And then they are mostly, they really curious about you. They want to know about you compared to 12 years ago now people are celebrating diverse and i think it's a really really great change and getting more diverse we got international nurses international doctors and i think it's really wonderful to see that progress of diversity i'm delighted to hear that and as you say somerset is a, a less diverse community than a lot of other places have, have you encountered any problems or has it all been positive and welcoming um when I came here 15 years ago, um, where I live is a very small village. So I was so minority that moment. I was just really minority. So people rather recognize myself 
as an Asian woman rather than they asking my name, my background, they said, that, oh, this Asian woman came and do you know? Yeah, I saw her. So they recognized me as an Asian woman. So I felt like I lost identity at the moment, first, first year, second year. And when I introduced myself with my full name, original name, people said that we can't say the name. It's too difficult. You have to change the name. Otherwise, you don't make any friends. Patient, patient wouldn't call your name. So I just accepted. I didn't challenge. So I just changed my name, my identity, more British way to be accepted. And I, that was quite hard because when I look back now, this person here is real me or it's a made up image. I had to survive in this community. So that was the very hardest to be first, first year and second year because all I wanted to make sure is just part of this community. People just accept me, make friends because I don't want to be different from others. And you mentioned being a, an Asian mum. There are stereotypes, aren't there, about tiger mums. Did, do you find that people put those sort of stereotypes onto you or, or do they take you as you are? Um, it also was quite difficult because of the, my children was that they were quite only like Asian children in where we live. So I think they had a lot of questions, why your mom's appearance like that? Why your mom's like that? Can she even speak English? And where they meet? And my second child is quite white-skinned and she's more like my husband. And they assume I'm a nanny rather than her mom. But actually, she's real, my daughter, but they assume she's my stepdaughter. So it's fair. I think it's unconscious bias. As you said, like a tiger mom and, you know, you are the Asian mom with the black hair. Your child must look a little bit more Asian, but actually she's quite white and blonde hair. Why is that? People try to figure out. And now I can be more challenging and I can stand on myself. But 10 years ago, it was a different scenario. I was just alone and I wanted to just to be part of them. So I explained just that she's just blonde. She's actually my daughter. And I tried to not upset and take to the heart. That was all I did. That sounds really tough. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to you. Our sympathies are with you. And not just what's happening at the moment or has happened, but just being so far away from your own family, um, birth origin in South Korea and not being able to travel back. How much support have you found from friends and colleagues here? Because having to sort of change your name is a, is a, is a big thing to fit in. So how, how has it been? What have, how much support have you had and what have you learned? As I said, like 12 years ago, I didn't expect any support. All I wanted to is that make sure my mom's very proud of myself. When I look back, it's really funny. When I went back last time, three years ago, went to Korea, I read my letter. I sent it to mom 12 years ago, which was online. I said, I got loads of friends. People love me. People really care over me. I love where I live. But actually, I cried all day. Years ago. I miss my family so much. I miss my friends. I didn't have any friends. So I wanted to just make sure all my family don't worry about me and they are happy where I am. And that, that was all lie. That letter was just so happy of me, which wasn't, wasn't true at all. So, so, so that moment, I didn't expect looking for any waving support because it's also cultural background as an Asian woman. In our country, if you're looking for waving support, it's 
that means you're quite quite weak. You're not coping well. So you might not, you know, survive in this society. So actually I try to pray because I'm quite Christian. So that was quite good. Had a religion. So I prayed myself. I already thought it will get better. And then I'll be getting better. I want to prove myself. I think the religion was the 12 years ago when I arrived, religion was the only one thing that support I could, you know, I could be looking for. Religion was very important part. But now I'm a multicultural network lead. I've been here for 15 years and I'm leading a lot of minority people in the trust. Thing is different. When I said that I'm going to change back my name to my original name and I want to do this, everyone was so welcome, you know. Yeah, of course, we want to call your real name. It's a lovely name and it's such a positive thing. And when it's something happened pandemic, of course, I'm human. Maybe I'm a lead, but I'm a human. So it actually impacted me so much, actually, negative way. I was so worried about my family and I worry about this death from the minority staff. So I did actually call the wedding support for nine. They were fantastic. And I never felt I'm the failure to seeking this wedding support. And I realized it's not shame at all. That means we are just human to looking for support. So I actually promoted all our network. I even even looking for the support, which is brilliant, and everyone can actually do. So we are all human, and we have to support ourselves. So things has changed a lot, you know, from 15 years ago, and now we got such a good wedding support, which is great, great, great support. That's so great to hear, Sun, because my next question was actually, well, to build on exactly what you've just said, I will ask the question, what advice would you give to colleagues, particularly from other cultures where cultures don't recognise well-being or where we have shame or we feel distress in order to acknowledge our emotional well-being? Is there anything that you would advise or say? Yes, um, of course, it's hard for you because for me, I've been living in my culture for the last, what, 30 years. So I always thought well-being, supporting well-being, looking for advice is the, somebody else's story because I'm a healthcare professional, I'm a nurse, I'm a strong woman, I don't need any support. But actually I did. When I look back, I did. 12 years ago, I need some support, I need somebody. But it's not your weak, as I said. That means we are human. You know, we are human, you know, we can't be strong all the time and this is not shameful at all. You know, it's like when you get cold, what happened? You're looking for some kind of like a medicine and you, you see the GP. It's exactly the same. When you really feel drowned and you're really upset, you really said, because we are human. I know we are the health professional, but we are also human. doesn't matter where you're from, different culture and different background. Just we need support. And then just make a phone call and there are loads of support waiting for you. It's not shameful at all. You know, otherwise, if it's shameful, I didn't share my story with you. You know, I believe that if it's just human, being human, we are emotional humans. So if it's not shameful and please seek for the wedding support, there are a lot of opportunities you can actually seek for. Come forward. That's that's such a good message to have. And, you know, it's that shame sometimes which because we're frozen and we're unhappy that that stops us. And that can be cultural, but it can I think it can happen at certain ages, too. And um, um, 
I'm not looking for sympathy, but when I went to boarding school at the age of eight, um, 70 miles away from home, and uh, one just wrote letters every week, and that was about it. I, I have to say, I, I think I cried every day of my first term, um, and I was nearly taken away. But uh, it was it was thought to be the best thing for me. It was thought to be a good thing. And looking back, it, it was a very good thing. But I think that separation, that shock of loss and change, and the challenges of adapting shouldn't be underestimated. They're, they're, they're really big. And so uh, I think we're very grateful in Somerset Sun for you coming and talking about this today, but also for all our colleagues uh, in health and, and, and care who come from all around the world. I know that Yeovil Hospital, as a big employer, uh, actually has people from over 40 countries. So thank you very much, Sun, for sharing all that with, with us. And um, you know, we to our to our friends who've come from other cultures. We welcome you all as Somerset residents, and it's great to have you as as part of our culture and of our society as it emerges. And um, I suppose the question now is thinking about the effects of pandemic. Um, how has that particularly affected yourself uh, and others who are away from home? Um. This actually impacts us much worse than people imagine because I know that people can't travel and they're isolated, they can't see the family. But for us, it's really difficult. Like, for example, me, as I said, I haven't seen my family for two and a half years. And all my family, my sister and my mom, she, they lost a job because of pandemic. But like where we live is not as good government like benefit like in England so when they lose the job that's it they can't get any compensation so my sister she tried to looking for a job in the supermarket and the reception she said there are 200 people apply for this part-time job so she couldn't get this and she got two children and my mom she used to be a cleaner in the school school's closed she lost the job my older sister she lost the job so three of them lost the job so what I've been doing last like years with just the coping with the pandemic, having to support my family with financially. But actually, this is not my single story. All, when I spoke to other minority colleagues, they are doing exactly the same. They don't want to share this story because they feel like shame. They feel like shame talking about their family finance situation. But there are loads of similar story I've been hearing. So they, although they have to pick up other shifts to pay their family back home, Asian country. So mid of night, sometimes I couldn't sleep because it's the 11 hour time difference from South Korea in here. So I got phone call mid of night at 3 a.m. My mom's crying because she couldn't cope for like two months without job, lost job. She can't see any flesh shielding and she missed me. And as I said, I would to be brave to her and then I have to show I'm not worried about anything and I got enough actually and I'm having a very happy life. So actually this is like a twice harder for us than other colleagues because you know financially, emotionally, physically, you know, they have to pick up extra shift to feed the family. So it was quite quite a lot. Sorry. That's a really powerful story to hear and thanks so much for for sharing that with us i think when we're going through a difficult time it's very easy isn't it to sort of look inside ourselves 
and and maybe feel sorry for ourselves and and hearing the sort of things that you've you've shared makes us realize just how lucky we are compared to a lot of people around the world do you find that you have a a different perspective on things having lived in different cultures and being able to compare yes um i feel like you know we have a lot actually here people are having a hard time because shops close restaurants close everything but when i think about my family in korea and my friends in korea they actually they have a profession they are most of my friends they're nurse and doctor but they, what they worry about is the very day by day what they eat and then how much the support like a benefit they don't have it even vaccine they worry about when they get it but here i know we have a lot to do still with a lot to do and pandemic is hard for everyone but i always feel every day i feel really thankful i'm in here because i okay i worry about my well-being sometimes i worry about my family but i never worry about day by day what i'm eating you know i don't worry about what I pay tomorrow, I don't have this money. I don't worry about it, honestly. You know, I always got food. So I really appreciate it. And I never felt I'd be in danger in one year later. And I, my children will get stopped. This is not my worry. It's a different kind of worry, well-being and my family and the pandemic of people's safety. So I'm very lucky here and very, very lucky position compared to many other people all around the world. I think that it's quite important. We have to appreciate what we have, what we got. That's very powerful. Thank you. And what I'm hearing from you, Sun, is a great deal of sacrifice, but also generosity in that and generosity towards family and others and, and gratitude and um, my heart is open to you for that. It's it's just it's just such an inspiring story, and I suppose I have a question now: is how much have the changes of technology over the last five and ten years made it easier to keep in contact with with family uh, and others, and have that support? Yeah, so it's really lucky we have now. You know, we can do FaceTime, we can do whatever. Still, time, people said that it's okay because, you know, for example, my British friend and my close family said, Sonny, to be honest with you, my family now live one hour in Bristol. But we, I can't see it like you because, you know, we all locked down. So we are exactly the same situation as you. But people, what people don't think is time difference. So if I really wanted to talk, I have to talk like 2, 3 a.m. I have to just wait until then I have to talk. And my mom, she's nearly 70, and although I got her laptop, she doesn't know how to use it. So in the end, I never, since pandemic, I never ever spoke on FaceTime. And I don't want to push her because it stresses her out. So it's only on the phone. So although we have all the technology, some people, some country, internet is not very good. And then they are quite old. So my mom lives by herself. So she can't actually get a help to use internet. So still we are having a hard time. Technology actually doesn't quite, quite not very helpful in my situation. But hopefully all our colleagues, minority colleagues in Somerset, they can use a bit more of technology 
you know, so they can have connect, they can stay connected with their family. I think you raise a, a really important point, the, the digital divide, whether it's because we're unable to cope with technology or don't have the resources to have the technology available or don't have broadband. The other point that came to my mind when you were talking was that although the technology is wonderful for keeping in touch, it doesn't replace hugs. And I think the last year, everybody's missed being able to hug a relative, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. maybe it's made us appreciate that one-to-one -one physical contact that perhaps we took for granted before, do you think? Yeah, definitely. And it's very, it's strange, you know, two years ago when I got the phone call middle of the night, I thought maybe, what, maybe mom needed something. Mom needed, now, since pandemic, every time I had a phone call, oh my God, you know, is she okay? She might be dying. That's all my, I'm thinking. And I share this, my feeling with some of the, some of the colleagues, minority colleagues, they say exactly same thinking. Somebody may die from the family and what can I do? How can I see them? So for me, I love to touch my family. I love to give a hug, but this is too luxury for me, even thinking about giving hug and a physical call. I just want to see them before too late. Yeah, just want to see them. I just worried about it maybe a bit late, late. You're sharing some very powerful stories about how it must be tiring for, for colleagues and friends from other cultures, the time differences, extra shifts, worrying about them and, you know, everyday life. What are the, thinking about... What are the positives that you can gain from being here in Somerset that actually support you positively and, and help, help you keep you well, help keep you cheerful, uh, and, and in your, particularly in your work? Um, I'm very lucky. I got a, such a good organisation and support. For example, when I share this kind of story, like, you know, I'm having, how are you? They ask me. And then sometimes I just open up a little bit. You know, I, be, I couldn't sleep because of, I got a phone call and I worried about something happened to my mom. And everyone said that you have to let me know I'm here. Everyone said that. But this is not actually just, they just saying it. They really keep checking me. When something happened, you know, last year, pandemic, a lot of my minority died. A lot of people come and check me. How, how, are, the, how are you doing, Sonny? And how is your colleague doing? Let me know we are here. When George Floyd that happened, everyone contacted me. You okay? You want to talk? So these people, this kindness and then this generosity of thinking about others and always support there, always, everyone. So I'm just one in million. I think I'm very, very, very lucky, lucky person and living in Somerset and meeting this amazing organization and amazing people around me. I'm really lucky, very thankful every day. That's lovely to hear. And uh, I suppose I have a question we, we always often ask. Um, you know, here we are in Somerset. What do you think of the countryside? Is that nourishing or do you have a favourite place in Somerset you like to go or view that you like to look out at? Yeah, um, someone, my husband actually asked me a while ago and he, he said he never say that, but I come from city, so I'm from Seoul, South Korea, it's like London, so People ask me, his friends, where, you, where is your favorite place? And they always take me to Glastonbury tour or like bring down 
spice and the flexibility is my favorite place. I love shopping, walking around, have coffee and looking at people. <laughs> it's not very inspirational, but I love flexibility, sitting in the cafe, watching the people, what they're up to, what they dress, and that's that's my joy. Well, Clark's Village is actually not just <laughs> it's, it's actually very close to Glastonbury Tour. And you go there, there's there's a lot of nature, and nature is a theme in Somerset. There's a lot of trees, and there's a lot of greenery, and uh, there's great farmland all around. So, <laughs> lovely. So, just to give a plug for our Somerset uh, Mind Line, which is uh, 01823276892, so that can help any, any colleagues or anyone in Somerset who feels that they want to connect. And we have got some news in store, but we'll keep that for a, follow, for a further podcast about uh, uh, emotional well-being support in Somerset. Um, and I think that's what, what, what last comments would you like to make to us and, and share? I was going to ask, son, you, you've shared some really touching and emotional times and put very clearly some of the, the challenges and, and problems that you have. I suppose the question I'd, I'd like to ask before we have to go is, has it been worthwhile? Are you glad that you made that brave decision all those years ago? I thought about it. Um, I actually mentioned to the people... Um, what I experiencing it about 10 years ago, I actually, there was a moment, I have to be honest, there was a moment I did regret to come here and sacrifice, making sacrifice myself because as I said earlier, I wasn't quite sure it's real me or it's a made up image of me to survive this community as an Asian woman. So I thought if I didn't come to England in Somerset, I didn't have to make myself to be in your community. So I can do whatever I want. I can do just to be me. But I had to change my name. I had to do this. I had to do this because I want people to accept me. So I had thought I might regret this one, but at the moment now, I think it was worthwhile because I believe like this podcast and then working for the minority staff in Somerset, they will change people's life. Somebody going through exactly the same age 15 years ago, hope, hopefully me, small part, I can change their life in a positive way. That's my hope. That's so helpful. And um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you about any issues raised in the show, or if they want to share guests or topics, uh, please please get in contact with us. Uh, Sun, are you happy for us to pass on messages to you if anybody's got a message that they want to contact you? Yes, yeah, yeah, I do. Thank you. Lovely. So our, our email is somccg, S-O-M-C-C-G dot S-E-W for Somerset Emotional Wellbeing, S-E-W podcast at nhs.net that's somccg.sewpodcast at nhs.net and it's also on the website Um, son it's been a real pleasure to have you with us today and to share some very deep and powerful stories and insights and and thank you so much for that and thank you for making a difference thank you so much for inviting me i really enjoyed it thank you so much Thank you for all you do. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The 
show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.